All right. How are, how are you? How's everybody going? Everybody doing okay? Good. Good. Okay. I'd like to bend over, but every time I do this thing, unclips. So uh, I'm going to try that. I'm from Kentucky. I thought I would uh, dispel some uh, stereotypes of Kentucky uh, before we start. Okay. Because I know there's, um, you all think stuff about us. So I'd like you to notice I have my shoes on. That's good. Um, I don't currently, nor have I ever made moonshine. I'd like that clearly stated. Um, we've enjoyed indoor plumbing for several years now. I do have dental records. Uh, that's good. And I did not marry my cousin. So all those things that you've heard. Yeah. Just wanted to clear the air on all that. Okay. This mic, is it working? All right, great. Okay. Because it's fading in and out, and it must be me. Okay, that's, uh, that's a bad sign. So if I fall down, it's not because I'm charismatic. I just I lost, my, I lost my way. Okay, I want to thank you for your hospitality. It's been great this weekend. We appreciate that very, very much. Super nice. And it's nice to be in the South where when you order a Coke, they say what kind. I like that because in the North, you, you order a Coke, and they give you a Coke, and that's just stupid. And so I'm glad to be in the South where people understand stuff. Now, uh, today we're going to talk about path forward and where we're going and that sort of thing. And so if I could have my first slide, I think it says path forward. Yes. And we're going to talk about that. And as a church, we sort of know this intuitively, and we've heard this verse. If you're a, a believer and if you've been in church much, you get this one. But let's look at this one because it's kind of our, these are our marching orders. Um, yeah, I want that other one. There you go. Um, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. This, these are the words of Jesus, right? And we all sort of know that this is what we're supposed to be doing. By the way, we're going to be in Luke 5 today. If you want to be there, you want to find that in your, um, in your Bible. You might want to find it on your phone or your tablet. Okay, so these are our marching orders. The question we have today, let's go to the next slide, is, uh, is that a, a quantity or quality issue of going and making disciples do we make better disciples or do we make more disciples and and the answer is pretty obvious i mean we make both Uh, our ambition should be go and make more and more better disciples right i mean we should do both of those things it's really important that we we don't get that confused And, and so too often churches get comfortable with the people that they already have and we become clubbish we become like a cruise ship how many people get on a cruise ship once the ship sails you're hoping nobody right i mean like that that's pirates if uh, if they get on board and too many churches function as a cruise ship rather than a, a, a life-saving vessel so we have to kind of know all right it's not just that i'm going to I'm not going to get smarter in my faith, but that's good. Getting smarter, knowing more is great, but it's also I'm going to bring others in to, to join the family, all right? And, and Jesus was not easily impressed. The things that impressed him, I, I have a slide for this, extravagant love, acts of service, expressions of faith. I, I mean, if you think about it, um, we, we think Bible knowledge, but the Pharisees had tons of Bible knowledge, and Jesus was never impressed with those guys. They, um, they really, really tithed, and I think tithing is a great thing. They, they were meticulous in such things. But Jesus never said, wow, that's really awesome that you do that. Now, this, this particular service, you have a ton of pressure on you. 
as do I. I mean, it's like that show The Bachelor, right? I hear, I've never watched it. If, if you watch that as a man, you have to put your man card in. I mean, so I've heard, and evidently from the highlights I've seen, they give a rose or something. And, and so that's kind of what we're doing. I, I'm trying to get, you know, other than, other than I'm going to try to really be honest with you. I'm not sure that always works in those shows. I'm going to give you my heart, tell you what I'm about, that kind of thing. And you have to determine if God wants us to get together. And, and this is really quick, right? If one of my beautiful daughters came up to me after the service and said, Daddy, I met a guy last night here at church, and he's awesome and handsome, and we're engaged, I'd stalk that sucker on Facebook. I, I would get the, ten, the last 10 seasons of, of uh, America's Most Wanted. I think that's my name. Yeah, I'd get those, watch them. I'd try to figure out if anybody noticed if he went missing. I mean, it would be that for me. Because it's super duper quick. But uh, that's what we're about today, you know. You've got five elders that you've entrusted with the, the task of finding someone. And they found me. And they're great guys, by the way. I mean, what a, what a, what a pleasure to get to know them. Yeah, it's been great. Now... When you change leaders, you're going to change how things are done. Uh, I, I met Cliff. Oh, man, I think we're kindred spirits. You know, he's a brother from another mother. I mean, we are, we're good people together, and, and he's a cool cat, and I like him a lot. But there's going to be differences. I mean, it's just how it works, new guy, new, new things, new ways, and, and you have to kind of know that going in. Now, the main thing is we're going to be focused on making more and better disciples. This is going to be, because uh, it's our focus. The main thing is the focus. So I think it's my next slide, focus. Uh, the path forward is about focus. And it's really easy if we're not careful to lose focus. I'm 54 years old and I have a nine-year-old. Somebody lost focus. <laughs> She's sitting right there. Uh We had heard grandkids were so great, we just cut out the middleman. We had our own. Yeah, that's kind of how we did it. Now, in order to maintain focus, a lot of times I have to make a to-do list. I don't know if you all do that, but I like to-do lists. I have an app on, on my phone that helps me do that. And sometimes I go old school and write it down. I, I, I have to do that in order to maintain focus. I have to know what I'm about to do today. And, and I try to have an agenda for the day. And, and, you know, you get up in the morning. I mean, one of the great things to do is to say, God, I have an agenda. But if you want me to do something else, show me what to do. But, but one of the greatest examples of losing focus is a story. You may have heard this. I love this story. It's about the London Transit Authority. They were getting complaints because the buses were driving right by bus stops with people standing there. And they put a full-page ad in the paper that said, we're sorry for inc any inconvenience that have, we've caused our customers, but it's impossible for us to maintain our schedule if we're stopping for folks. <laughs> so even... Uh, Transit authorities can lose focus. Now, one of the really, really cool verses in Scripture is found in 2 Peter, 1 Peter. This is a cool verse. Let me, let me show you this. It's a really great verse. This talking to those of us who've decided to step over into faith and to become followers of Jesus. A great, cool verse for us who are believers. You, us, folks who follow Jesus, we 
are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. We, this is amazing to me. We've been chosen. And it is super cool that we're chosen. I think that's my next slide. We're chosen. Followers of Jesus. Chosen. Now, if you go, to, go home today and you get a phone call from the president and he says, hey, I've chosen you to be in the replacement for Justice Scalia. Some of you don't even know what that means. But uh, if you keep up and you know what's going on, it's like you get, I mean, how cool would it be? To, to get to be a chief justice or a justice on the Supreme Court, you've been chosen. Or if the athletic director at the University of Kentucky called and said, you get to be a, uh, an assistant coach for the Kentucky Wildcat basketball team, because it's an insult to be a coach on the football team. But if you get to be a coach on the basketball team, I mean, that would just be amazing. And, and we have a task in front of us because being chosen, there, there's... There's a task. It's our next slide. Our next slide. Chosenness comes with a task. We have a responsibility. And if you were chosen as, the, as a justice on the Supreme Court, it's cool to be chosen, but there's work involved. And if you're chosen to be a, uh, an assistant coach on the basketball team at Kentucky, that's a cool deal, but you got stuff you got to do. you gotta, you got to earn your keep. You, you have to make something happen. you got to be somebody. So we're going to talk about being somebody today. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, that's where we're going to be. This is one of those stories that you hear when you're like in vacation Bible school when you're a little kid. They have flannel graph back in the day. And uh, this is one of the coolest stories in Scripture. I love this story. I, I love the hearts of the people in the story. It's just a really cool story. So we're going to read it together. Look at Luke 5. One day as Jesus was teaching, some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Now, there's an implication here, I think it's pretty safe to assume, that these guys knew Jesus. I mean, it's not like they're walking around with a guy on a mat, and uh, all of a sudden they see people in a room and they decide to go in there. That There was purpose in their going to see Jesus. They, evidently, they had heard him teach, maybe they had been healed by him themselves, but they knew Jesus and they knew their friend needed to know Jesus. We, we, for those of us who know Jesus, it's the same thing. We know him. We know our friends need to know him. And that, that's kind of cool. So um, they wanted to lay the, this man at the feet of Jesus. They couldn't get in. So when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went on the roof and lowered him on a mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Let's go to the next one. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. And everyone was amazed, and he gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Is there anything more remarkable than seeing someone who had uh, sin have their sins forgiven? Is there anyone, uh, anything more remarkable than seeing somebody who uh, was walking down a path, a certain direction in life, meeting Jesus and having their lives completely changed? I mean, there's really not anything I have ever seen that's more amazing than that. 
And the cool thing is, that is for anybody that wants to change, anybody that wants to come to Jesus, he's cool with that. So the first thing we're going to notice today is that we've been chosen to make Jesus accessible. Our task as followers of Christ is to put people right in front of Jesus. Church, as a church, we're here to replicate ourselves. It is the only institution on the planet that exists not for us, not for the people that that are there. What would you think about a hospital whose doctors and nurses saw patients as an inconvenience? I mean, that's ridiculous. Well, what about an airline whose pilots and stewardesses saw the, the customers as an inconvenience, and they all sat in first class, and they drank up all the liquor, and, you know, uh, you're back in the back just fending for yourself, trying to get, get a bag of peanuts. I mean, really, that's not what we're, we're, there's an old school word about what we are. We're missionaries. I mean, we don't use it about ourselves, because usually what we think of is, it's a person that goes to a different country, and learns a different language, and has a different culture, and they wear little weird clothes, and, and all that. But we have been commissioned to help people find Jesus. And if we believe, if we really believe that Jesus can make an eternal difference in a person's life, we don't really have a choice but to lead people to Christ. I I love the church. I've I've been in church all my life. My mom and daddy, uh, we grew up going to church. I I love it. Because Bill Heibel says the the local church is the hope of the world. Because we have this message that we can tell people about Christ. Really good, good stuff. Now, this paralyzed man in this story, he he had big problems. To, To be paralyzed in that particular culture in that day, they didn't have... Handicapped parking, they didn't have wheelchairs, there, was no, there were no accommodations made. In fact, it was sort of the opposite. You were looked on with some derision. I mean, people thought poorly of you. Uh, it was assumed that the reason you are ill like this is because you've been cursed by God. And, and those of us, I, I mean, I have really bad eyesight. I, I would have been in the same sort of boat. I probably would have been at the gates begging because I can't really see very well without glasses, which weren't available then. I kind of feel for this guy. And while it's not paralysis, I certainly have uh, limitations. And if you have limitations, it would be you too. And here's a guy who had really no hope. And he meets four friends who know Jesus, and they give him hope. He... He had more than physical, though, ailments. He had kind of spiritual issue going on. Now, my next slide, look at this. In order to accomplish the task of putting people in front of Jesus, we're going to employ, if you uh, vote for me to become your pastor, an attractional strategery. All right? As our friend George Bush would say. An attractional strategery. And... And what we mean by that, and this is super important to understand because I want to be as honest with you as possible. If you don't want your church to grow, you should not vote for me. Because I will do everything in my power, short of sinning, to to try to reach as many people for Christ as I can. I mean, it is eternally important 
that people know Jesus. It, church should be fun, and it ought to be, I mean, just ought to be a place you look forward to coming to. I want it to be so great, you look so forward to coming, you're going to bring your friends to it. But we're going to have to sacrifice. I mean, the room is full. We're going to have to go to two services. I mean, really soon. That's, that's what's going to have to happen. And then we're going to have to buy a bigger building or build a bigger building or maybe we can run that church out over there and we can take their church. In the love of Jesus, of course. But there's, there is biblical precedent for a come and see model of church. Look at this text. It's a cool text, man. Philip... He, he meets Jesus, and he finds his friend Nathaniel, and he, he says, We found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about the prophets, and it's Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. And, and <laughs> this is like the great, this is a classic, dude, you're stupid, a response. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Church. I'm not going to go to church. They're judgmental. They're hypocrites. They're horrible. And Philip's, this is, this is the greatest invitation ever. Dude, just come see. I'm not asking you to make a commitment. I'm not asking you to become a partner. I'm not asking you to give any money. I'm not asking you to do anything except come and see. It's great. It is incredibly strategic. Come and see. And, and one of the things I think you should do when you invite people to church is you should expect that what goes on on the stage will make sense to them. I'll do my very best to explain things. I'll try to make it understandable for folks. Um, I like that we invite guests not to give because really that's not where they are yet. It's okay to say, hey, this isn't for you. We give because we want to do this. We didn't invite. See, people think you invite them to church to take their money. Like it's a scam. So Lay it out there. We're not here for your money. You don't have to give any money. It's okay if you don't give any money. Parking is going to become an issue here. And it's just kind of, maybe it already is. We parked early. We parked often. And uh, we parked over there. Uh, I don't know what it's like. And getting off this property is going to be nuts, I suspect. That's okay. But making it understandable. Have you ever been in an environment where you didn't understand what was going on? Miriam is Swiss. We married uh, 25 years ago. About... Maybe our first year of marriage, we had the opportunity. This was before we had kids and still had money. Uh, we went to, um, we took a trip to Switzerland. And all of Miriam's people were there, and it was great. And we met, I think it was in Zurich, I don't remember now, but someplace. They had, she has cousins, and I think her dad is one of 11 kids, and her mom is one of eight or something. Is that close? Close. <laughs> She's so sweet, she didn't correct me. Uh, thank you. Uh, so there are lots of aunts and uncles and cousins, and we... We met at somebody's house. I think it was Uncle Hans, but I can't remember. Isn't that a great Swiss name? Uncle Hans. Uh, and uh, we had a meal together, and everybody's speaking Swiss German but me, because I can't hardly speak American English. And uh, uh, they're speaking Swiss German. And one point of the conversation, I'll never forget it, they all look at me and laugh. Miriam said it was some Swissy thing. I, I don't know. I don't know. 
didn't seem very comfortable. I served a church in Dallas uh, when I first started uh, in ministry, and, and I was the associate pastor, and we would invite people to, um, if you're, this is, this is the line because it was my line, I had to give it every week. If you're a guest with, with us today, please remain seated while we stand in your honor. How honored do you feel when everybody's booty's in your face? I have a question about that. Didn't feel very honoring to me, but that's what I was supposed to do. To come to church, you shouldn't have to dress a certain way, you shouldn't have to look a certain way, you shouldn't bring your friends here fearing that they're going to be embarrassed just shouldn't so we're going to employ a, a strategy where you can bring people and this it's going to make sense to them this is what i've done for years um you begin to think what is it like if i if i don't know anything uh if i go to a place and they're talking about stuff i have no clue how how do, how do i how do i understand and, and i try to think about that this, the second thing that we're going to do is this We've been chosen to work as a team. Man, you guys have this down. I, I, I told the group last night, uh, for, for people to be in portable church for nine or ten years, you're either super dedicated or really stupid. And I, I don't know which it is. Because that is really, uh, the level of dedication is off the charts. I mean, to, to pack up and put out and pack up and take away, that is, it, it takes tons of effort. But teamwork is super effective. Now look, look what happened. It's in Mark. Check this out. Same story, different, different book of the Bible. Since they could not get into Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. After digging through it, they lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. Now you get the picture. Flat roof. They tore it open, and they, they dropped him in, into the hole. Kind of lowered him on ropes on this mat, which took some, uh, some coordination, by the way. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, one of the greatest things about God is that he uses ordinary people. That's my next slide. Ordinary people. Now, the cool thing is I'm ordinary people. I'm pretty much pinto beans and cornbread. You know, I am not filet mignon. I am, I'm ordinary. My daddy was a truck driver. My mama was a homemaker. Uh, I don't ever want to look at my family tree. I'm afraid of it. I suspect there's more bootleggers and horse thieves than dukes and duchesses. I mean, you know, when they have that Ancestry.com, it's like, I don't care. Uh, I don't want any part of that. I, I like the fact that God, he, he doesn't just use ordinary people. It's part of his strategy. Look, look at this verse. It is amazing to me. God deliberately chose things the world considers foolish. On purpose, he chooses ordinary folk like us. Not superstars. God deliberately chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose those who are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Oh, I think I have some more. There's more. Go to the next one. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important so that no one can ever boast in the presence of God. He does it for a reason. He does it for a reason. So that he receives all the glory. Another cool verse in scripture. This is my life verse. I thought I'd share it with you today. Joseph was well built and handsome. Uh, life verse. It's in the Bible. What can you say? I mean, you know, really. 
be hating. I mean, really, that's a pretty good, pretty good verse. God has this amazing way of blending together well-educated people and folks who don't have much education. And, and he blended together Jesus on his team, his 12 disciples. He had a guy named Simon the Zealot, which would be so anti-government, he... <laughs> They, they were cloak and dagger guys. I mean, the zealots were people who held a, a knife under their cloak, hoping to find a Roman by themselves so they could off him. I mean, that's how bad the zealots were. He had a Roman-hating uh, zealot in his group. And then he also had a guy named Matthew who was a tax collector for the Romans. I mean, can you imagine the day Jesus came home and said, Hey, my boy Matt is one of us now. And Simon the Zealot is like, are you, you are, you, that's nuts. And Jesus brings people of different ideologies together because teamwork is incredibly effective. I mean, he does it for a reason. Teamwork is effective. Look at this next slide. Jesus said, I'll never turn anyone away who comes to me. It doesn't matter where you're from, what you do. Oh, teamwork is effective is my next slide. I got a, got a little bit ahead of myself. Let's go to this next one. Luke 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your, your sins are forgiven. He brings us together so that we can have an opportunity to bring other people to Christ. Now, first he healed the man spiritually, then he healed the man physically. I'm not sure God always wants us to be healed physically. I've got stuff going on. I'd like to, him to heal. He hadn't healed it yet. I'm not sure it's always the case. But I do believe he wants people to be healed spiritually everybody to be healed spiritually look at this next verse jesus said this i've come in order that you might have life life in all its fullness so these guys lower the dude right at the feet of jesus and jesus heals him physically and he heals him spiritually and mission is accomplished and i don't know about you but when i get my to-do list and i get to mark something off my to-do list there is this sense of accomplishment it is an amazing thing in fact some days i'll do stuff that wasn't on the list, and I'll make it a list just so I can check it off. I feel like I've done something for the day. These guys are walking home with the guy carrying his mat. All five of these cats together, they're walking. And, and on their to-do list, get healed, check. Find Jesus, check. Mission accomplished. That's a pretty good day. It says that uh, they went home praising God. It's a pretty good day. Being chosen, third thing, means that we get to serve people. We get to serve somebody. It, it doesn't particularly have to be at church, but you find a place to serve. One of the most revolutionary things for me is when I began to understand this next slide, that we serve God when we serve others. It, it will revolutionize your life. You'll be looking for opportunities to serve somebody when you realize that when I serve somebody, I'm serving God. It, it could be... Working with Habitat for Humanity, building a house. It could be coaching a team. It, it could be go, taking some food to your neighbor. It could be mowing their yard. It could be clipping their hedges. It, I mean, it could be a million things. Uh, we have a homeless guy in our town that uh, kind of comes into church sometime. Our church has showers, and he, he, um, he showers there. And, and every time I see him, I just think, man, what an, I have an opportunity today to serve God. And, I mean, you know... <laughs> It is one of the coolest things to give somebody that has nothing something. And people that have need to help somebody in need. It, it is one of the greatest things that we get to do. Now, 
One of the things we'll do at our church, if you call me as your pastor, is we'll strive for excellence. The Bible says this, and I, I live by this verse. Look at this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord and not for man. I, it's, I used to be kind of a perfectionist, but then I realized if God only used perfect things, he wouldn't use me. Or you. It, it doesn't have to be perfect, but I think our offerings to him should be really well done. And there's going to be a cost involved. Those guys had to replace a roof, I would think. I mean, it wasn't like they dug the hole in the roof, dropped the guy down, and then just didn't just left it. And so they had the cost, and we're going to, it's going to cost us something. It might cost us our comfort. We might have to park up the street. We, you know, we, we might have to ride a horse in here. I, I don't know. I mean, you know. Um, do you have, like, a stable? Uh, that would be good. Oh, we have that field uh, behind us. That would be fun. Okay. The bottom line is this. This is huge. It's not about you, and it's not about me. Our task as a church, as followers of Jesus, if that is you, our task is to place people at the feet of Jesus. We don't save them. We don't heal them. We just take them to the cat that can do it. I mean, Jesus, he's amazing. He's changed my life. He has healed my marriage. He has given me blessings of girls. I've got so many girls, I don't know what to do with. I mean, uh, they're everywhere. These are all blessings. Man, I, I love him. And I want other people to love him too. Part of what we do as a church, I think, are, are these things. Can I have my next slide? We... We join together in a large group like this. This is awesome. I love this. I love to teach. I, I think this is cool. But also, we, we share life together in a small group. If you're not in one, you should get into one. And I'm sure somebody can tell you how to do that. Ben, you can tell them. Ben knows everything. Uh, ben. And then you look for a way to serve. Can I serve in the church? Can I serve outside the church? Can I find? Can I do both? What can I do? I want to end with a verse. 2 Corinthians Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. If you're driving home this afternoon and you see a squirrel dead on the road, as Southerners, we are compelled to stop and pick it up. For many reasons. It's free. Convenience. It's already been gutted and tenderized. I mean, think about it. And if we find this squirrel on the road and we pick it up and we take it over to a tree and lay it at the base of the tree and we say to the squirrel, climb! And it doesn't respond and we say it louder and more often. The squirrel doesn't really need motivation. It doesn't need inspiration. That squirrel doesn't need to turn over a new leaf. That squirrel needs a new life. We don't need to motivate or inspire or challenge people to turn over a new leaf. What, what people need is Jesus. Put my, my text back up. Because when we find Jesus... We become new. We're reborn. People need 
to be reborn. Father, we thank you for this time and this day and this message and this challenge to us. And we pray that as we close out, that we would accept the challenge of being something part, part of something bigger than ourselves. We would accept the challenge of becoming uncomfortable, of sacrifice, so that people might find Jesus. Help us to be like the four men in the story who loved their friend so much they were willing to sacrifice and risk and help us to be people who place folks at the feet of Jesus.